This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the East Coast Offense Podcast. This is Chris List. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, and sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. It's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today. So I'm, as usual, joined by Dalton Del Don of Yahoo Sports. This is Chris Liss. And uh, I think uh, we're in a good spot this week compared to last week, Dalton. So a couple things happened. One, nobody cares about this, but I won the uh, Yahoo Friends and Family basketball, quote, expert league. I didn't know a goddamn thing about basketball when I drafted. And I won in the finals 8-1. to one. It was arguably the most dominant season anybody's had in a Friends and Family league of any kind since its inception about – 12 or 13 years ago. Congratulations. Well done. That's it. You know, nobody, you're saying that nobody in the league, I didn't get an email from Andy Barons or the commissioner, Brandon Funston, or even uh, Rudy or Gray. I can't remember which Rasball guy was in the finals against me. Nobody's even acknowledged it. I won this league. It's for no money. And nobody even says a goddamn thing. I promise you the Rasball guys care. They're like, I, I hung out with them at, at labor. Those guys really are into, into these, into these leagues, even if there's no money involved. So I promise they were into it, but right. so, what about, what about league of leagues? Okay. And then the bigger one, which is for some money and it's just a bigger thing. You did it, man. And I got to give you credit. I don't like Thank to give you, you credit. Sir. I rarely give you credit, but you managed the team all year. We were in a huge dog fight. Thanks to Jonah Carey's. Uh, questionable trades that, you know, he's not cheating, but the other people are asleep at the wheel and he's taking advantage of it. And even so, you uh, made the right moves and we prevailed. So we won another $250 combined. We've already earned our entry fees back, right? It was $250 each. Am I correct? Yeah, I believe that is correct. And the thing is, I actually sent a, a, a screen, what's it called, a screenshot to uh, three of my friends in a group uh, text 
going into uh, Wednesday night saying, look how close this is. Because they were like, Who's, where's Cousin Sal? And, and all this stuff. And it's pretty cool, man. We were only up one point. And it's, it, it's too much to go over every single category. But it was one of the most closest rotisserie leagues I've ever been in. And it was pretty cool that we ended up pulling out. We, we, we won. We won basketball after winning football. Pretty cool. Right. We won two of the three sports in a 14-team league. That's good. And that was our plan. I mean, we executed this plan in year one to a T, right? We punted baseball. We didn't spend money on it. We punted running backs. We didn't spend money on that. We still won football. We got the best running back keepers of anybody by far. Uh, You know, we just – all we (laughs) spent money on was receivers. We only had one good one, it turned out. Didn't matter. And one of our receivers retired at age 30. Right, who was one of the greatest receivers of all time. And he retires. We still have Jordan Reed. We have a – Huge stable of elite backs with Gurley, Thomas Rawls, and Lamar Miller keepers, and we still have Julio Jones. So we've got to be the favorite heading into football again, although it doesn't mean anything. Nothing means anything in football. That's the lesson about football. Never right. spend right. it on football. Maybe get a couple of receivers that are at their peak, like Julio Jones. For those people who play in the League of Leagues. Right. If you're in a three-sport league, right, exactly. Don't prioritize football. But we did everything just right. Now, this is going to be a different situation with the last year of baseball, and really we're going to get it about two, three weeks in the season, like right now, and people don't acknowledge, they just won't face reality that they are out of it, right? I mean, I will look in May, and there'll be a guy who's got three dead spots, three injured pitchers in his active roster for the last three weeks, and he's down in strikeouts, 100 strikeouts to the the next-to-last guy, and he thinks, well, maybe I can turn this around. No, dude, you haven't even been trying for three weeks. You haven't even made sure you had an active lineup in April. Now it's May 1st or April 30th, and you're way behind, and you don't, your team isn't good, and your guys are injured, and you're not making the moves to salvage it. So why don't you just admit that you're out of it and, and rebuild? But they still think, nah, it's too early to rebuild. I don't want to make a trade yet. I, I don't understand that. No, I totally understand. I, I, obviously, I agree with you, but um, I, I, I want more credit than what you actually have just given me because – some of the pickups I made and what I did, like, it was pretty intense. Like, if you oh, really follow basketball. Oh, yeah, yeah. Basketball, Sorry. Yes. No, I'm, not, I'm not done giving you credit. I was just talking about what's going to have going. What's gonna oh, happen I going will forward. say I almost traded the Greek freak uh, before the season started for uh, a different sport. And, man, you, you were right to tell me to reel it in because that guy, that guy is going to be a top 15 pick in fantasy basketball next year. And he doesn't hit threes. Listen to who we have who's arguably a top a first-round pick. We have Harden. We have the Greek freak. We have Irving, who's not going to be a first, but maybe a second if he starts the season. He healthy. was our second-round pick right. in a league that consisted of three sports. Right. Right. Our second overall pick. Right. And he was hurt right. for half the year. We got Paul George, and we got Hassan Whiteside. Upside. Hassan, Hassan Upside. It, I mean, those are all borderline first-round picks. Right. Right. We got five. That's a 14-team league. Like we are really, and they're all. Most of them are young and in their peak and getting better, like Giannis. So not bad. We're in really good shape in football, really good shape in basketball, but we're in trouble in baseball because yep. AJ Pollock got hurt, Ben Revere got hurt, but we lost Drew Storen because he turns out not to be a closer. We spent money on him. We spent money on Byung Ho Park, who sucked, but hopefully they are patient with him. Man, we you know we need to. I think what we need to do is take some of those running backs and just get three three hitters for each one because people who are going to be out of baseball, it's frustrating. They don't realize it, but you know, if you're out of it, if you don't have good keepers and you're in last place three weeks in, and if, if we can give you a Todd Gurley to build your football team around, you're, you're automatically a contender. 
I totally agree. We, we, we should definitely shop those around. Um, I want to bring it back to basketball, though. What is your opinion of the uh, Warriors right now? My opinion? Uh, they're really good. I mean, what, 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 what could I possibly add? Going for 73 wins. Oh, I think it's great. I, I, thought, I thought this about the Panthers, too, going for you mm. know, 16-0. We settle sports with the championships or whatever the playoff scenario is, right? With the Super Bowl, it's one game. Uh, right. Or it's you know college basketball, you, you got to win through the tournament. Or it's NBA where you got to win four seven game series. We settle it whatever way we settle it. But everybody knows at the end of the day, just because you settled it and you were the, and you won the championship, doesn't necessarily mean that you were the best team. It just means you're the best team as far in so far as we define it that way. You're the champ. But we have advanced stats, and people could say, well, you know, the, the Broncos won the Super Bowl this year, but had you know, had New England had that game been in New England, the other game, but in New England, uh, and some questionable calls hadn't happened or whatever. You know, maybe the Patriots were better than them this year. You know, we could argue that, or maybe if Seattle hadn't not woken up until the third quarter in their game in Carolina in the playoffs, maybe they would have beat Denver in the Super Bowl. But we'll never know. In Denver, they're they're the champs. That's fine. They earned it. But there's winning the championship because that's how we settle things. And then there's there's being the greatest team of all time. And I do think personally, that that's worth striving for and trying to earn that mantle. Now, I know a lot of teams were kind of mailing it in down the stretch, and you have, you know, when the Bulls played, there weren't half the teams tanking for a month, and you can still argue the Bulls were better. But if they win the championship, you know, they have a legitimate claim to be the greatest team of all time. And to me, that's worth more than just winning a title. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, they already did win last year. So, right. like, it's not, it's not like that's a thing. It's like if they hadn't won it, then sure. It's like you better prioritize winning it. But they won it last year. And do you realize a couple things? This year they've had 20 back-to-backs, which is the most in the NBA, and traveling from the West Coast. They've, they've traveled by far the most miles of any team in the NBA, and they've still won 73 games. I'm a Warrior fan, obviously, so, um, you know, take it with a grain of salt or whatever. But – Man, I, I thought it was done for when they lost two of three at home. And then they go to San Antonio and, and serve them their first loss and only loss uh, at home this year. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. And it's something that some, some people – you might talk to Sasha 20 years from now or something about this. Then who cares who wins the title in any sport? I think this is special and pretty cool. Right. I mean, there's titles. I mean, think about it. The White Sox won the World Series in 2005. I know it was a big deal to a White Sox fan. Right. It was right. in forever. But nobody's like, that White Sox team, you can't believe how great they were. They were just a bunch of nondescript pitchers who all pitch well in the playoffs. And, you know, they were a good team. But it's, it's, it does matter, to, I think, to be one of the greatest teams of all time, to accomplish something at a different level. And so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with it. I'm, I'm glad they went for it. And I think it means something. They still got to win. I mean, I think the Spurs, you know, the West is still very tough. I mean, if, if you have to beat the Spurs, I oh, think man. there's probably at least a 30 or 35% chance they lose to the Spurs. That's not, that's a very significant chance. Yeah, there, there will be a team that, that loses the, that does not win the NBA title this year with the most wins ever. Right. That's right. And that Spurs team, if it played eight years ago against whatever was there, probably would have run roughshod over the field. And maybe oh, this Cleveland oh. team, which isn't even that great, you know, might have won a title in a week season. I mean, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good teams this year, right? And it's pretty sick that uh, Curry needed eight threes to to reach 400. I know we're in a base 10 system, and it's silly, doesn't matter. But the preview, you understand, the previous record was 286 by him, and he hit whatever 10 the other night to make it 
402. I mean, this is silly video game type numbers. Yeah, I think Shannon McCune tweeted out something saying the Bucks had 433s <laughs> in 82 games and Curry had 479 games. Yeah, pretty pretty sick. Yeah. Pretty awesome. And um, it's, this playoffs is going to be great. I mean, the first round, it's hilarious. The, the Warriors have to face a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year with James Harden uh, as an eight seed. But yeah. we'll see. Whatever. That's not going to be a big deal. Houston is soft. Uh, they are definitely soft. <laughs> Let's move to baseball. But I want to ask you real quick before, because um, this has been, been a debate between my friends and, and, and myself. Um, if you're a Warriors, uh, your life depends on being a Warriors fan. Who would you rather face the second round, the, the Clippers or the, or the Thunder? You know, I don't really know enough about basketball in this way. Like, I played a bunch of DFS, but I don't right. really know enough to give you a really good answer on that. I, I guess I'd rather face the Thunder just because they own the Thunder, but mm. I don't know. I mean, they, they should handle both those. The, the thing is, though, that both teams have a lot of talent, and any team facing the Warriors is going to be at their best. It, it's going to be just such a big deal to play them. There's going to be so much attention given to it. Yeah, I know I'm fired up either way. I mean, obviously our rivals are, are the Clippers, and the Clippers just beat the Spurs. Obviously I would want to avoid the Spurs, but it's inevitable, I imagine, to be the conference finals. Yeah. But. And, and but, don't be a coward. You know, you don't want to avoid the Spurs. Beat the Spurs. Be the greatest team of all time, right? I mean, honestly, you don't want to avoid the Spurs. I think it would be a little anticlimactic. I think I what they need to do, honestly, this would be the sixth thing ever. If they don't faced the Spurs and swept and faced the Cavs and swept. I mean, that, that would be the sickest, sickest thing of all time. They, that would maybe be the greatest team in any sport of all time if they did that. Um, yeah. I, no argument here. So you want to talk – let's talk some baseball. Okay, uh, hold on, hold on. I want to, I want to start it out. Go okay. Ahead. So I heard you, um, I saw you gave some, uh, I don't know, maybe it was thinly veiled to me on uh, Twitter about, um, first of all, I write an MLB stock watch column. And you know what? It's really tough to come up with five downgrades and five upgrades every week in baseball. It's so silly with a small sample. But I don't know. You said people were burying Billy Hamilton, and that was including myself. And then he had a nice game. Right. So talk about Billy Hamilton. Okay. So I just said people were burying Billy Hamilton. He had a double off of Garrett Cole. And I don't know if he stole a base, but he scored a run, maybe drew a walk. And he's been bad since then. He hit a home run, but he's batting 174. 321 on base isn't that bad. He's got five walks so far this year. Right, right. So he's actually not been that bad. I'm looking at it. I mean, fantasy-wise, you can't hit 174, but that's a fluke. I mean, Billy Hamilton's going to hit 220 minimum just with his speed. There's no way he's hitting 170. You know, he's been – he's doing what he's supposed to. He's, he got on base, and he plays defense in center field. I wouldn't bury him yet. I, he was what he was. I think, you know, he went in the 10th round where I got him in the Friends and Family League, and that was the right spot to take a gamble. Now, that league was really encouraging gambles because there's guys like Jason Worth on the waiver wire. There's full-time starting players who hit in the middle of the lineup on the waiver wire. So you're never really – the, the replacement value is so high that you may as well get a guy who could steal 70 bases. He's still – the jury's still out, right? I mean, he's still 25. He's still the, – the guy in 2014 who had a 648 OPS would keep his job and steal 60 bases. The guy last year does not deserve a job in the majors, but he became a much better base stealer. If he were to combine those two, the base stealing improvement and then sort of the base level of 650 OPS plus defense and base running – um, then you're getting a guy who's really a steal in the 10th round of a mixed league. So, I, you know, I think people are burying him after four or five games saying, and it wasn't you I was referring to. I just saw a lot of tweets like, oh, my okay. God, Billy Hamilton is a joke. He's striking out again. He's not even close. And I just thought, you know, come on, guys. This is ridiculous. It's it's a, a few games. And 
this guy is what he is. And he could be bad enough to just be a pinch runner, fourth outfielder type, or he could keep the job all year and steal 75 bases, and we don't know yet. Sure. His stolen base percentage was great last year. And, um, man, the thing I wrote about him was just he had he had yet to hit a hard hard contact percentage, whatever. Uh, but you don't, he don't, but we don't want hard contact from Billy Hamilton. You know, if, <laughs> if, if you look at the graph, um, OPS or batting average or whatever it is on, okay. on soft to hard contact, it actually dips. You know, soft contact's not bad, and then it goes down. Soft-ish contact that's a little harder, and it goes back up as it gets to very hard contact. With a guy like Hamilton, you just really want a lot of slap hitting. You don't want hard contact. Well, that's fair. You also want ground balls. Ground balls, slow ground balls. Right. Okay, so if you were doing a draft today, would you downgrade him as opposed to three weeks ago or no? No, Same. Same. I would take him where I took him, 10th round. Okay, take him where I took him. Just instant speed. And he's got uh, a 317 OP um, on base. Despite hitting 174, he's got five walks and seven Ks. No, I mean, those five walks are pretty good. There's no, he, I'm not saying that's sustainable because right? who the hell is walking that guy? I mean, what? How bad <laughs> must your command be that you would walk that guy? No, that's a fair point. All right, okay. So, so you, so you are still fine with him, and isn't he hitting leadoff too recently? Uh, he was hitting leadoff. I got to look at tonight where, where he's in the lineup. He was. I mean, if he walks five times, he deserves to hit leadoff. Right. I, I never really liked him. It was just he was going in the sixth, seventh round of my drafts, and all of a sudden he was there in the tenth, and I thought, okay, I'll take him. I'll take a share. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I have D. Gordon in a few leagues, yeah. and but obviously that's I required a much higher right. draft pick. One of the guys I want to ask you about um, before you steer the ship is no, Rich. No, go ahead. Hill. Keep asking. It's easier. I don't. Okay. I don't okay. No, no, no. I, you have to steer the ship after this. I Rich Hill, a guy that I was like one of the weirdest guys to evaluate before the year because you know obviously he had not pitched any meaningful meaningful innings in baseball since like two thousand and nine. And then he dominated last year in a short span, 29 innings. Then was terrible in spring training, terrible in his first outing. And then through, what, a 10-strikeout, one-walk outing in his last one. So and I know you own him, I believe, in labor. So I, I bought – I actually spent $105 of fab in, in, a, in an expensive uh, NFBC league. So what do you think of him? I got him in labor, and I didn't intend to necessarily get him. And labor is the beginning of March, so nobody really knows about – nobody knew about spring training. Tristan Kockroff – Brought him up for a buck. I said two. We went back and forth. He said five. I said six. Stuck. After spring training in the first start, I was ready to drop him. I mean, I was even in AL only. I was like, this wow. is where you got to cut bait. You can't bench, right? And, and if you get a few blowups, you can destroy your team permanently. But I waited one more start. And he had a great start and looked good. And now I'm back on board. But, of course, <laughs> it could desert him at any moment. The reason he was out of baseball, he got hurt. But before he got hurt, he just had – a complete meltdown in terms of finding the plate. It was the same thing. He would dominate once in a while, and then he just could not find the plate. And when spring training in his first start, you know, reprised that, I thought that he's not going to get it back. Whatever he found for a month, you know, that something he can't maintain. And I'm not convinced he can maintain it, but it's, it's certainly worth a shot. I mean, when he's on, he's pretty good. He gets a lot of strikeouts. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it, as you always say, the significance of it. Ten strikeouts, one walk. I mean, it's not just like a whatever. He had a, you know, he prevented some runs, but pretty dominant. So, like I said, I'd spent 105 fab on, on him in a pretty big big money league, NFBC league. So, we'll see. But, yeah, pretty – a lot of upside there, I would say. Yes. Um, I don't think there's that much upside. I, I think – Man, really? Yeah, I, I don't – for these guys that go crazy – in these short spans, I don't 
usually think it's that sustainable. Like, I don't think it's not, you might look at it as an all or nothing thing. He's either going to be great or he's going to implode and be out of the league. And so there's a lot of upside if he's great, but I don't really see it that way. I, I like guys like him. I think Matt Moore is similar in a way, sure. maybe not as extreme, but I think they end up settling in the, the hitters figure it out and they end up settling in as that stuff works kind of. You know, it, it works to an extent. And in the end, you get a bunch of strikeouts. It would be kind of like Mike Fires or somebody like that. Remember Mike Fires came in for like the, the second half of 2014, I want to say, and just blew everyone away for a while. And then he was okay last year. He You settle in at okay. Yeah, that might be the case. But, I mean, I don't know. He'll – pretty dumb. Ten strikeouts, one walk is pretty good. Yeah, no, it was one game. But, I mean, any any guy – you know, you don't start getting signature significance for this stuff until you get to 15, 16. We, we talked about 18 before. When you get to 18, right, it's, right. okay, you're good. You know, you can't get 18 without being really, really good. But 10 is not there. There's been a lot of guys – Mark Burley got 11 strikeouts a couple years ago in a game. <laughs> it, just, it just happens. I know Rich Hill, it's not a fluke like that. He – he has that skill. He makes he makes guys swing and miss. Here's what I wanted to talk about. And okay. I know it's April and there's cold weather or whatever, but a lot of starting pitchers have of ace starting pitchers have struggled. And I've really invested in aces, uh, thinking and I I think it's right still that you want to buy the reliability at the top and then fade the cost in the middle. Because the middle is unreliable and it's costly. And in the bottom, it's unreliable and it's cheap. And unreliable is good. It's volatile. It's another way of saying volatile. And volatile, when cheap, is good because they're easy to drop when they don't pan out and they can be very good. They can end up being good. Uh, And so this was my philosophy pretty much in every draft. I really, for the most part, stayed away from that middle. Those, you know, $15 AL only starters. Those $14, $13 AL only starters or NL only starters. I got single digits and... 20 plus, but the 20 plus guys have been shaky. Many of them. So I want to go down a list of them and, uh, sort of you give me from one to 10, 10 being you are totally alarmed. You, you would, you know, you're incredibly worried about this one being it's not phasing you at all. Okay. 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 All right. I'm going to skip Kershaw. Max Scherzer's just been okay. One to 10. How alarmed? One. Okay. Not alarmed at all. Skip Arietta, he's been great. Matt Harvey, one to ten. How alarmed? Two. All right, I'm gonna say five. I think Harvey, I don't like I just don't like him. He seems fragile mentally, and he's had two really not good starts and not facing I, tough teams. Actually the first had, one was the Royals, but the second I one had him ranked very high, highly, I think fourth overall entering the year, so I hear you. Um I've watched both his starts. Man, another year removed from surgery. I think he's going to be okay, but I hear you. I hear you. All right. So you, you only have two. You're not. You're pretty much fine. Okay. I'd rather Syndergaard. I'd rather Syndergaard. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd rather Syndergaard before the season. I mean, I didn't. Harvey was uh, made me worried already. Well done. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't. I only have one share. So, and unfortunately, in the league that we're betting, that I'm in the, like tenth place, and you're in first, <laughs> you have him in that league. All right. Uh, Jacob Degrom. Obviously, he's already got this lat problem. Ooh. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm going to say five on that, but it's, you know, he's already hurt, so it's kind of hard to. It's, yeah, I know. I was going to say like an eight or something. Oh, you're seriously worried about this lat thing? Yeah, man. I mean, he's injured, and he was injured before. His velocity was down all all spring training, right. so absolutely an eight. Right, but almost the injury is good because it's a lat, not an arm, and that may explain the velocity decrease if he had something that was sure. bothering him. And once that gets healed, maybe the velocity comes back. But yeah, I'm a little nervous. Sure. All right, Bumgarner. 
Oh, oh man. Well, there has been some rumblings with his foot and it changing the shoe size, but um, man, you're talking about the Giants guy. So um, I no a two or something two. Yeah, I'm not worried. He had a good out, really good outing against the Dodgers last time. So I'm not. And he also hit a home run off of Kershaw. I didn't realize yeah, he hits. I forgot that he hits righty because I was like, wow, lefty hitting home pitcher hitting. But he's he's a right-handed hitter, right? Yeah. Do you know that he, I believe he's uh, has a higher home run percentage uh, batting than he does pitching. That's very good. He, so he, it's <laughs> basically if he if he were like the only player on the team, if there were nine of him, uh, it would be a winning. The team would have a winning record. Right. Right. Which is not, not bad. That's not the case with most pitchers. No. Not. not Imagine no. if there were like nine Ricky Nolasco's. It'd be the worst team in, in Major League history. Right. It'd be a terrible pitcher and nine horrendous hitters. Yes. All right. Uh, Jose Fernandez, any concern with him? Uh, one, no, none. Really? How many strikeouts does he have? Like 18 Well, it was 10, all in one something? game. He looked kind of shaky against the Mets. No, I watched that game against Syndergaard. I mean, whatever. He, he was only going to pitch 180 innings this year, but he'll be fine. No, he looks dominant. He's okay. fine. Not worried about him. Okay, Garrett Cole. No, he's fine, too. One. Okay. I have him. I'm a home league. Okay. He's, he's, he'll be fine. Zach Granke. Oh, I didn't like him entering the year. I didn't even have him as a top 15 starter. I think that that home park is going to affect him. So I don't know what a six or a seven or something. I have him at a two. I, 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 I never liked him either. I mean, the pitch framing is much worse outside of L.A. But Grandel yep. stole a strike for Kenley yep. Jansen the other night that was eight inches off the plate. I mean, the umpire <laughs> yep. obviously screwed up. But if there's any, you know, they say he's a great pitch framer. If that was skill, then, man, it's just easy to be a Dodger pitcher, and it's unfair that Kershaw is pitching in that situation. Yep, and their, their second and third string catchers are both great as well. Right. So that, so you lose the pitch framers. You lose the park. Apparently, Wellington Castillo is one of the worst pitch framers. Yep. But, but that's fine. I had him at like a 310 ERA or something like that because of that. But given that baseline that I already had, I'm not really worried about the two bad stars. Okay, that's fine. If you if you give it at a baseline of three ten, although I I would I would bet the over on that. Well, but going no. forward, you bet the over from this point forward. Oh, for sure, over three. Yeah, yeah. I would say he's like more of a three point five. I would guess three five, man. Well, in Arizona, that's not that crazy, but still, that's high. I and mean, Granky was like one sixty last year. I know, but it is Arizona. That's yeah. the thing. Three five, man. That's a lot. I'd probably take if you want to go under three point two five the rest of the year. I would do that bet. Let's do it. Uh, 50 bucks. Okay. 50 bucks. Under 3.25 starting tonight. He's pitching tonight. All right. Done. I, I used him in DFS because I thought he's pitching in San Diego, and that's going to give me a head start, hopefully, because everybody just I, dominates. I that. went, uh, I recommended an article today. Uh, Joe Ross and what's it? Louis uh, Severino. I have Louis Severino in one. I have Jake Odorizzi in a couple, too. Okay. Okay. Not, not that by the time this is posted, this information will be useless. Uh, I'll definitely look dumb, probably. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I, I put some money down, so I'll probably lose my money. It's not just about looking dumb. All right, so how about Chris Sale? What? Why is there any worry whatsoever? He just, he's just not – he's striking out a lot of guys, but he's not you – know, he's got a 386 ERA. He just gives up runs. Minus just one. Got, he's a minus 10. You're not worried about him at all, huh? 14, oh. why? I mean, he's got a strikeout per inning, which is lower than normal. But in this sample, who cares? He could have had two more strikeouts. It's not a big deal. But he's given up two home runs. Last year, down the stretch, he got knocked around a little bit. He had a 341 ERA last year. Chris will be fine. Should be a top 10 overall player. Not worried about him, huh? No. Okay. His, his velocity has been down, although April, the weather, the weather sometimes 
uh, affects that. Uh, Strasburg, any any concern with him? Beyond well, the obvious. I hate this guy. I hate this guy. He's the bane of my existence. I, I led off with him in my DFS article, and um, he's scratched with the flu. I mean, this guy kills me every year. I, I draft him in every league. Ugh, whatever. I guess just the three. Uh, well, what do you mean? Nothing. No. He's There's nothing wrong fine. with him compared right. to the end of the year, right? I mean, he's got oh, 11 to 5K to walk, which is nothing fine. special. Right. He'll be fine. Yeah, it's just he's annoying because it's like just, just fucking dominate, dude. Come on, man. Just do it. Go out there and destroy these other pl- – he did it for two months at the end of did last year. Did you see his – yeah, his, his stats last draft all, after yeah, the All-Star about it. Just go out and, you know, just go out and do it. But he just – he never when you expect does he do it. I hate and love Strasburg, so yeah. whatever. No, we'll what? talk about it. He's the Anthony Davis of right, fantasy right. baseball. <laughs> good, good, good call. Right. Uh, okay, and then how about – we're not going to talk about Noah Syndergaard. It's obvious. The, it's negative <laughs> something, whatever his situation is. Uh, David Price. Oh, I was not really on him because of, you know, the, the whole AL East deal. So I don't know why. Is, is he looked bad or something so well, he's far? He's got a 573 ERA. He's got 18 strikeouts in 11 innings, four walks. Yeah, he's fine. He's yeah. fine. And, and, and he, you should not change however you ranked him before as opposed to now. Okay, Carlos Carrasco looked great the last time. Oh, out. man, yes. That's why I switched between Strasburg and my DFS article. Looked filthy. You know, it's the second most uh, longest streak in, in, in MLB for outings with five-plus strikeouts. Carrasco does? Yes. And what, Kershaw's number one? Yes, yes. Okay. Interesting. You know, Carrasco was great down the stretch last year, too, so he's just continuing it. And oh, then, I picked him to win the Sion. I picked him to win the Sion. So a couple more guys let me, let me ask you about. Um Adam Wainwright has not been very good. Wow. Not it's one thing to, to care about like ERA, like, you know, whatever. He has like eight walks and five strikeouts. So he's coming back from a from what, a Achilles injury, but not he a pitch last year though. Or right. did he, he not? Good. Yes, and he was good. So it's really weird. So I have him in Yahoo Friends and Family. But yeah, I mean, I gotta say, eight walks and five strikeouts makes me put him at a five. Yeah. I mean, he was also getting by with not elite stuff to begin with. I mean, he, this is not a guy blowing people away either. And he's another year older. I would probably buy low. There's no indication that he's hurt. Let me take a, take a look at the velocity. Velocity readings are a little troubling, you know, a little hard to deal with right now because of the the weather affects it. He's only 0.3 miles an hour below last year. And, but I mean, I think he'll be fine, but man, that's a, that's a rough. And he doesn't walk anybody. This is a weird thing for him. Right. Really weird. Okay, Felix had a shaky start his first time out and then totally dominated. Is it regular Felix? We're going to Was he undervalued? Did did I make a mistake? He's only thrown 89.6, but again, it's April, so the weather's cold. Yes, you made a mistake. Felix is going to be dominant. Okay. I maybe it may, may be the case. Corey Kluber, any concern with him? No, none whatsoever. Going to be a top 10 starter fantasy-wise easily from here on out. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's got 11 walks, four, I mean, 11 strikeouts, four walks, giving up two home runs. You know, last year, people loved the peripherals. They, obviously, he was unlucky with wins. You don't have any problems, Kluber. Let me look at the velocity. He's down zero a mile problem. and a half per but, hour, and that's down, you know, from the year before a little bit. Slightly. Lindor helped their defense at shortstop, but, man, they actually do have a pretty shaky defense. So that, that's Well, Brantley will help a little bit when he gets back, too. Right, right, exactly. Right. All right, so I'm not, I'm not too concerned with Kluber. How about Chris Archer? 
What's going Zero on with him? Concern. Zero concern. Zero. 23 Ks in 15 innings. Eight walks, though. Gave up five home runs already. He's down <laughs> to 93.6. He was throwing 95.2 last year. Zero concern. He'll be a top 15 starter. Okay. I like to hear it because I have him in a couple places. Uh, and then what about Dallas Keuchel? I have him in a couple places, including the uh, NFBC main event. And I took him over Syndergaard. I still like Keuchel, but I'm obviously regretting that, uh, taking him over Syndergaard. I thought he was safer. Okay, there's an interesting article on Fangraphs, I believe by Jeff Sullivan, that, that does suggest some worry. for, Or maybe actually maybe it was Dave Cameron. But um, either way, no, he's going to be fine. He'll be fine. He's down two miles per hour in velocity. He didn't have a lot to lose. His ground balls are not quite as uh, pronounced. The thing that, I, that makes me not worry very much is – his both games were on the road. If you look at his road numbers last year, right, right, they weren't that great. Huge splits, right. And he also one of them was in Yankee Stadium against the Yankees. That, that's a very tough start. He, this is him at his absolute worst. And and there was weather issues, which diminished velocity. And I think his command was a little off. And he was he was being very careful not to give in. And that's his thing. He just does not give up right. a lot of hard contact. And I think he was just not giving in, and he wasn't getting the calls, and he was in an unfavorable situation. And yet still, despite the 150 whip, uh, he has not given up a home run and has a 355 ERA uh, with a 13-10 to 10 K to walk. So he's had a shaky start and a lot of walks, but even then he avoided getting crushed. Yeah, I mean, according to Baseball Monster right now, Miguel Cabrera is uh, the number 221 ranked player. So, I mean, right. it's but silly. Hitters, <laughs> but the reason I'm doing with this pitchers is because hitters – it, you don't worry about hitters. Unless, okay. unless there's something going on, like a guy's hurt, we don't know it. The hitter, forget it. But the pitcher, you know, I think there's a little bit more, is he okay? What's going on? Is there a hidden injury? I think it's. I think the pitcher, there's more to worry about. Yeah, that's a fair point. But I say don't worry about any of those guys you just mentioned, other than the one guy that jumped out to me is like, why does Adam Wainwright have an 8-5 to five right. walk-to-strikeout ratio? And DeGrom's hurt. Right, and DeGrom, yes. Good call, right. yes. But the rest of them you're not concerned with whatsoever. Not a, not even a little bit. Interesting. Okay. And and that's probably right. And even if you were, there's really it's not actionable. I mean, it is actually I guess you could sell low and just get out. How to worry about one of these guys, you could just get the hell out. But you're you're buying any any of these guys. If any of them are available, you're purchasing. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So I made kind of a joke post the other day. Oh, Jeff Jeff did this. I'm looking at the rankings on the site. I said, how many shortstops would you rank ahead of Trevor Story for the rest of the season? And the choices were only Carlos Correa, Correa, Lindor, Seager, and Bogarts, Correa, and one to two of those three guys. And then the other option was scrubs like Tulowitzki and Desmond. And I looked when the poll had about 120 responses. And I think the uh, Correa and one to two of those top four was the top choice. Scrubs like Tulowitzki and Desmond was the second choice. Fifth after those four was the third choice, and almost very few people had second overall behind Correa. That's interesting. The funny thing is, Story's first uh, seven runs were all scored by himself, knocking himself in with homers. And <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, obviously, going to strike out more and whatever. He was—he's the number one, I believe, fantasy hitter right now. And um, there's a lot of shortstops that have been like, whatever. Corey Seager hasn't balled. Uh, I don't like. Tulowitzki whatsoever moving nope. forward. I don't like him either. Addison Russell hits at the bottom of the Cubs lineup, yep. and obviously we both don't like Ian Desmond either. So I don't know. What do you, what do you make of story moving forward? Where, where would you place him? I think I would have him. 
I would have, I mean, Correa, this is not even a question. This is not even a conversation. Well, sure. And, and Machado and, and Yahoo leagues too. Right, Machado right. Still. Those aren't a conversation. Um, I, he's more volatile than a guy like Bogarts who makes contact and hits for average and does a little of everything, but. It's like seven homers last year, right? I, <laughs> and Lindor was a field first guy who really hit. I think I would take right. Lindor over him. I think Lindor, I would buy over him. And Seager. Man, I think Seager's legit. I think Seager's going to have a good year. It's just that he doesn't run. So he's going right. to hit for more average probably, although Story has a huge boost of being in cores. And he's going to hit for power, but he's not going to run. Man, I, I think you could you could make a case for second. I mean, you really could. I'll say third. Um, I'll say ahead of Bogarts. I, I mean, I'll say fourth, ahead of Bogarts and behind Lindor and Seager. Yeah, no argument here. I mean, it's it, totally. And Desmond, I mean, we hey, still have him listed at seven. That guy, look, you know what Desmond's done so far this year? Been terrible, right? Terrible. What do you think he's batting? Just take a guess on his batting. Oh, you know, it's man. just, it's I, only been, it's been 46 plate appearances. What's he oh, hitting? Okay, so here's the thing. I don't own him in any league, so I have no idea. Okay, um, guess. Oh, 90. Come on, don't be a dick and, and over guess. One, 189. 116. Okay, so he's got a 116, 174, 116 line. Three walks, 13 Ks. <laughs> He has stolen a base, no extra base hits. He's just got five singles on the year. This dude has got to play a corner outfield spot. He can play center if needed, but he's in not a good hitter's park. And it's a good hitter's park. And but he is not a plus defender at any position on the diamond. He's not a plus defender. Maybe at left he's, you know, adequate, but he's not a plus defender. And the Rangers have a million people eligible. I mean, Joey Gallo. This is a Rangers yes. team that's going to win. Needs yes. to win now. They're loaded. Joey Gallo is killing it early. There's just no way that Ian Desmond is worth more to them as a corner outfielder than Joey Gallo would be. And that, you know, Mazzara's already up. Chu is going to be back at some point. Josh Hamilton is going to be back. Lewis Brinson is a big-time prospect. And then Profar could also play the outfield if necessary. So they've got Desmond on this one-year $8 million deal. The comp I threw out there uh, was B.J. Upton. You know, this is a guy that was a 2020 guy for a while like B.J. Upton was. And then just started striking out 200 times a year. And when you do that and you're not a great – you don't take walks and you're not a great power hitter that hits 45 home runs, it's just not acceptable. You're not a major league regular. Now, B.J. Upton has survived, uh, shockingly, and I think he's been better the last year and a half. But he looks like he's going down that B.J. Upton path. Yeah, definitely. And I believe we do have Mazzara in our um, League of Leagues, which you told me to stash. I have to I give did. you credit for that. That's good. Yes, good. yes. And he's, what is he, batting second, too, I believe? He's pretty good. Second. And he will, if he hits like he has been, he's not going down. They'll just get rid of Desmond or get rid of the Shields. They're not going to, you know, once you call up a prospect and he hits, that's it. That was the problem for, the, you know, Jose Reyes. Like, who cares about Jose Reyes? Unless Story goes into a huge slump. Once you once you call the future up, and yeah, it happens, no, yeah, you can't go back in time. It's like a time machine. You can't can't go back in time. For sure. Okay, so I'm kind of over this baseball talk. Let's 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 finish this with uh, politics. Right. And I have a actually <laughs> I actually have a specific question to ask you. Um, is this guy in the news, Craig Mazin? Is that his name? Is that yeah. the guy that you, you that you have talked to me about? My, I went. My friend was dating this girl. This is probably 17 years ago, and. She lived in L.A., and he was over at her house, and I hung out with them. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, okay, apparently I played Trivial Pursuit with this guy. That's what, I, that's what the story was. Okay, okay. And this is the guy that was Ted Cruz's roommate at Princeton. And, you know, the, the quote that there was. Big fan of Ted Cruz. Big what, fan. What's that? I said he's a big fan. 
Yeah, right. So he said, you know, he disagrees with Cruz on policy 100%, but even if he agreed with him on every single policy point, he would only hate him 1% less because that's how much of a douchebag he was. And then you told the Bill Simmons story about how Cruz lost a couple grand in poker to his, his dorm mates and instead of paying up, told like the RA that there was illegal gambling going on, right? I mean, that's the kind of guy he was. Well, so the latest thing that came out was that Cruz said, you know, that masturbation is illegal or should be illegal or it's wrong or you shouldn't do it or shouldn't have the right to do it. And this guy, Craig Mason, said, that's funny because I'm his college roommate, and he certainly came upon that belief recently, which is just hilarious, right? He's just Amazing. Like Amazing. His, his dirty laundry, literally. And, uh, and that just cracks me up that that dude is just cracking on his old roommate. I mean, and the thing is, when you live with somebody in college, I'm not saying that people don't change, but that dude definitely knows the kind of person Ted Cruz is. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm very different than it. I mean, I showed up at my college roommate and I was like, a. I went to a place that was very, um, heavily, um, uh, let's say, um, different than, than, than myself. And I, and I had a, uh, a low rider truck. And, um, so yes, I can understand that the, the difference there, but pretty funny this and, uh, and gawkers all over this amazing guy. And all I could think about was, uh, this better be the guy that Liz is talking about. No, it is. That's the guy. I mean, I, again, I don't, I don't remember him, but uh, apparently I hung out with him one night. That's pretty funny. So, so okay. So before we exit this podcast, what are your thoughts on the um? You know what's going to happen here? Well, I'm a little uh, dis- not despondent, but I, I'm a, I'm a little worried about New York because, and it's just bullshit. And Bernie would win New York, and it's just that you only Democratic voters can vote in the primary, and that's fine because all the independents would just register as Democrats and crush and win they would win but apparently you had to have registered as a democrat by october 15th so mm. basically you know at a time where nobody really knew who bernie was you know that th- it was sort of a very small thing his candidacy you know, nobody thought to register nobody bothered to register because you know everyone gives up on the process when people like hillary clinton and donald trump or whoever the republicans actually donald trump is actually bringing people into the process but you know when your standard establishment candidates are running people give up on the process for good reason it's just a bunch of douchebags are going to spout a bunch of stuff they think you want to hear and they're going to take care of the people who give them the money i mean that's just how it is we all know this so you know if you're a guy who isn't really paying attention to politics or you are working a bunch of jobs and you have kids or whatever you're in college and you're partying and you don't really think about politics you're not going to go get motivated to register um, with the type of candidate that usually runs for president. And even people who got excited about Obama, like I did and donated and volunteered, and then you see the result, you're kind of like, yeah, that was kind of a waste. He's just another corporatist Democrat who, yeah, I mean, he was better than a lot of presidents, and he did some good things, and he seems very smart. But in the end, you know, he's, his health care plan is basically something that enriches the insurance companies, and you still have these deductibles and out-of-pocket max and all this garbage that you have to navigate. He didn't really get rid of that because – you know, he brought those guys into the process. So, you know, obviously New York is, is going to be a, an issue because it's nobody who's excited about this, unless they were registered six months ago, is going to be able to vote. And I just think it's going to be hard for Bernie to turn out enough people who had registered six months ago to overcome her, inc- you know, incumbent advantages, which is that she is known that people don't pay attention. They just hear sound bites. 
read the bullshit article in the Daily News. They just and that's re- it, though, right? New York is it, right? I don't think it's it, but it, it would be it would be it, it would be huge if he won. But I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, CNN is owned mm-hmm. by Time Warner, and Time Warner donated to the Hillary campaign. MSNBC is owned by Comcast. Those executives donated to the Hillary campaign. What most people are seeing on TV is yeah. people who aren't getting online and really doing research. That's what they know. They know who she is. They think, oh, she's a Democrat, and I'm a Democrat. They're just going to vote. So I don't think he's going to be able to overcome that in New York. I'll predict like 57-43, 58-42, she's going to win. I would say for the most part, you've been right so far, I would say, as far as like how, how much closer it's been than I expected and all that. But, man, I think it is going to come down to New York. Am I wrong? Well, I, I think if he won New York, it would be a, a tidal wave. I mean, I think it, it, it's weird to say this because she's winning. But I almost feel like New York is more of a must-win for her than it is for him. Hmm. Because, really? Because she's kind of a zombie candidate, right? She's just she's just going on on the, on the stuff she's already banked, and sort of the uninformed people and the rules that bar independents and and new Democrats and new people getting involved in the process. She's just kind of going along on that. And if she were to lose New York, where she was a senator, and right. It would just this, the narrative would just implode. It would just be a total collapse. It'd be like that team in the fourth quarter. You know, pick a team: the Chargers or the Lions. They, you know, it's the fourth quarter. They're up two touchdowns, and then you know Aaron Rodgers gets a hail mary, or before even the the the, the ultimate hail mary, the penultimate hail mary, or the penultimate big play with like four minutes left, and you're like, uh oh, they're definitely going to lose this game. That feeling. I think that's what it would be if she lost. All right, makes sense. All right, okay. So I think we're done. Lists. Uh, throw anything out. Throw anything else out well, there if you want to. Yeah, I, I just want to say, you know, I saw the debate last night, and I thought he did pretty well. It, it's really uh, – I, I, it's just – I don't understand how people would vote for her who – who I, I just don't understand it. Like everybody I respect – I don't want to say everybody, but like most <laughs> people I respect, it's just obvious. Like she's taking money. She won't reveal the speeches. She obviously has the back of all these fossil fuels and Wall Street and whatever, and she'll say what she needs to say to get elected and do some token stuff for – the left to like seem like she's doing something here and there. And I just don't understand why it's not so obvious that you want somebody who's get taken money from people so that he has to look out for people. He's not beholden. It's just, it, it's, I don't understand it. Do you understand it? Do you, I, I have a reason, I have a theory of why people are voting for her. Like not all the BS reasons that are the surface reasons why I think they're voting for her, but I, I just fundamentally the, the people, most of the people I respect are just, of course, it's obvious. There's not even a thought. It's not even it's not complicated. I don't want to get in trouble, so I'm going to stay out of this, but obviously I'm voting for Bernie. Right. So you don't I mean, do you understand why people would vote for her over Bernie? Sure. I mean, there are people that are that are smarter than me that, that I I mean, I get it, but no. No, why, I don't get the, it. No, I don't really. get it. Fundamentally, it's just it's so clear like what's going on here. Absolutely. It's like, it's I mean, like Ian Desmond is a bust. It's just clear. I mean, I think maybe he's not. Even clearer, clearer, clearer than that. It's clearer than that to me. It's clear. It's just, it's just fundamentally clear. I don't, I, I honestly, my, my view is there's a combination of, of the uninformed people who just kind of look at the surface stuff that's being said sure, by the sure. media. And they're just sort of like, yeah, but she's a pragmatist. And they don't, they don't really know They're not really thinking it through, but they're just like, yeah, she's. You know, she has a great resume or people with identity politics. Like, I want a woman to be president, you know, without regard to, well, let's get a good woman to be president. There's all that. And then there's just like the savviness, the cynical, like, yeah, come on with that Bernie BS. Look at all these enthusiastic idiots. Look at all these naive schmoes who really think he has a chance to win. And you start aligning yourself with the savvy, with the, 
you know, the people who know better. That'll never happen. You start, you know, the dream crushing person. The person's like, yeah, you think you're going to do this. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's like if someone's like, yeah, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And you're like, no, you're not, dude. There's like a satisfaction in saying, nah, you don't know reality. I know reality. I'm more real than you. I'm more savvy. I'm more realistic. I think that's like a huge, to me, those are like the only, that's the real reason people support her. There's no, I, I just can't. If you're just honestly saying, do you want someone who is going to do things for the people or do things for special interests that are actually harming people? It's just so obvious. Okay, so I live in a farming community, and I want you to explain to people why raising the minimum wage would be beneficial. Well, it, the people who were working would get more money. Why, what, what, why would there – Well, there's obviously uh, people that would argue against that. I mean – what 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 do you mean? That's what would happen. All those workers who are getting eight bucks an hour would get fifteen bucks an hour, right? And that would be a detriment to the people that are paying them. So so you well, explain. Okay, well, look, there's a finite amount of money, right? I mean, obviously, certain policies will generate more net money for everybody. Just like a basketball team that has Steph Curry and Draymond Green will have more net <laughs> points and give up net fewer points. But at a certain point, like, it has to be distributed among the different scorers, right? The, the money has to be distributed the, to different people. And, you know, if you're making a lot of money, uh, you know, and you're, if you're under 250 grand a year, I don't think your taxes get raised. But if you're, you know, making a million bucks a year, yeah, you're going to pay, like, 2 or 3% more tax. And if you're making $10 million a year, you might be paying 5 or 10% more tax. And, and that's not including all the, you know, the tax shelters that you have. But... Dude, <laughs> there's other people in the world besides you, right? I, I, I think people should – I want to be as rich as possible personally, but if I'm super comfortable and rich and have two or three houses and can vacation wherever the hell I want and do whatever I want anytime I want, I don't, you know, the fact that I have to pay another half million dollars or million dollars a year in taxes, why do you have a problem with that? Oh, man. Please continue. Seriously. I'm not joking. No, I mean, I, I don't understand why – if you see a person sleeping on the street or another person working their ass off with two jobs and – you know, their kids don't have good schools and their kids aren't cared for. They don't have after school stuff going on and they're kind of in the house by themselves. Those are other human beings. Like you're, you'd rather just have more money than, than have those people taken care of. But it's also in your self-interest. I mean, even if you are totally selfish and you're like, I don't care about those people. I just care about me. I mean, do you want a revolution to happen? You want people to come in with pitchforks and kill you? The only reason that the billionaire or the multimillionaire has that money is because there's two reasons, right? There's one, we agree to it. We say, no, that's the rules of the game, and he gets to have that money. And two, he has police forces or henchmen that can prevent you from taking it. It's just an agreement. Money's not a real thing. The monies that we all have in our account because you know your password to your investment account, that's just a fiction. Somebody else could have that password and take it tomorrow. Your house, why is it your house and not somebody else's? Because you have a key. What if someone hits you over the head and takes your key? Well, there's a police force. There's a body of law that says this is your home. And all those things are, all, are contingent upon everybody agreeing. Once it gets so dire that people are like, I don't, I don't want to play this game anymore, you're going to have a real problem. And that's happened in history before. And to me, if you're a rich guy, you're like, I want people to respect the rules of this game. I'm winning this game. And so I want people to respect the rules. So the best way to do that is give them a shot. Not make their life totally miserable. Give up some of your ridiculous, excessive amounts of money and just give them a shot. Make it so they're like, yeah, this game's worth playing. Because if they don't think the game's worth playing, you're going to have big problems. And then things like global warming, dude. You, that, you should be extremely concerned what? about that if you're rich. Global warming? Is that a real thing? <laughs> right. No, I mean, you know, obviously you got to trust scientists to an extent. But 
what I'm saying is that the richer you are, the more you should be concerned about that, right? Because it's like your life is really good. So why would you want everything to get fucked up by some catastrophe? You're the <laughs> one who has the most invested in things staying that way. You should be worried about glo- super volcano. Super volcano, we can't do anything about. But you're, you're, we're probably a couple thousand years away from that. Okay, all right. All Fair your money right. won't all save you from that. Anyway, I just, you know, it's and and the, the other thing about the fifteen dollars minimum wage, and um, it was a Henry Ford or somebody said this is he wanted to pay his workers enough so they could buy his cars. Right. I mean, right, people right, are making right. more money. They're going to buy more iPhones and then your stock in Apple is going to go up. You know, I mean, it's the, the, the economy. There is an optimal level overall for the co- economic growth, you know, a, a certain minimum wage. I don't know what the number is because I'm not an economist and people have a lot of diff- different agendas. But you realize if people are more prosperous and the rich who just invest money and kind of hoard it. And if that money is redistributed to people who are actually spending it all the time, you know, those they're spending it on stuff that is, you know, you're invested in and that companies make more money. Well, yeah, there are friends of mine, I'm just saying, that would go crazy arguing that saying this would this would kill the employers. So, I mean, I, no. I agree with you, though. I, just, I, I don't I, think I, so. I don't think there, there may be examples where the, the business is too, you can't you know, withstand it. And most people who are employers who are wealthy employers, they can afford it. And, <laughs> and you know, you look at like the Verizon strike and the fast food work, those companies can afford it. They just they just don't want to. I a thousand percent agree. Yeah. And, and you look at the executives who are getting paid $18, 20000000 million a year. I mean, yeah, those guys aren't that smart. If they got paid $9 million a year and that stuff got distributed to their uh, – it's not merit that they're getting that. It's because they know the right people and they're, 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 it's not a merit-based situation why they're getting paid that much. Yep, agreed. All right. Good times, Liz. All right. Take it easy, man. We'll, we'll talk next week. Okay. All right. Nice job in the hoops, by the way. Thank you. Well, yes. Pretty pumped about that you win. Fi- you finally earned your keep. I'll give you credit for once. <laughs> it took me a while, but – Finally, yes. All right. This podcast is brought by brought to you by FanDuel.com. You can go to FanDuel.com, click on the mic in the upper right-hand corner, use my code RWPOD, sign up now. Special offer for new users. Get a free six-month RotoWire subscription with a $25 deposit. You must sign up with my promo code RWPOD. It's more than $60 in value for just $25. Don't forget to use my code RWPOD, FanDuel.com, where every day is a new season. That's F-A-N-D-U-E-L.com. Sign up today.